Welcome to The King's Table, a podcast out of King's Hill Church in Boston, where we seek to elevate the Bible over opinion, answering the questions you have. I'm your host, Jonathan Mosley. Today we're talking about an honest conversation about marriage. And we have with us two special guests, Sky Pratt, who's the missions pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church, and his lovely wife, Karen Pratt. So hope you enjoy today's episode. Sky, Karen, just give us a little a little 401 about yourselves. How long have you been married? How many kids do you have? How did you meet? Just give us an introduction to both of y'all. Yeah, so we have been married 33 years this coming August 20th. Wow. And uh, it's been a tremendous blessing. Uh, we met in college and at a Bible study. Karen was not a believer and started coming to a Bible study that my roommate and I were hosting. Uh, through the process of that Bible study, became a believer. Uh, we became really fast friends. That friendship turned into dating and dating to engagement and engagement marriage. Uh, like I said, we've been married 33 years and we have two children. We have a son who is married uh, to Lydia and he is the children's pastor at uh, First Baptist Church, Simpsonville, South Carolina. And they have uh, their first child and our first grandchild, oh, wow. Jonah Pratt. He's uh, 14 months old, just a tremendous joy. And, um, and then our daughter, Lauren, is 28 years old. She's single. She lives in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and is a journalist and works in the communications department at Southeastern Seminary. Mm. Wow, wow. Well, hey, I want to hear from both of you on this one. So uh, when you guys, you guys met, in, met in college, how long did you guys end up dating before you got engaged and then later married? I, we dated. We dated for probably six months. Dating. We were we were friends for uh, almost a year before we started dating. But we dated six months, and then we're engaged eight months. Got it. Okay. So those those first few years in marriage, what was a pleasant surprise for you guys? But also, what took you off guard? Because I think we can both go into we we can go into marriage with expectations, and then you, those get broken, and you readjust. So, what was a pleasant surprise? What took you off guard? Okay, for me, I think a pleasant surprise was people had told me that the first year, like the first year, the first two years, you know, those are going to be the hardest years in marriage, like learning to live with each other. It's just like an incredible adjustment. And I didn't really find that in and of itself. In and of itself, I found that doing life, like being roommates, living together was actually very easy and actually... uh, wasn't stressful as much as it was just settling Mm -hmm. like to actually be waking up in the morning and doing life together actually took stress off it was it was that part was easy for me it surprised me that didn't happen the way people said it would yeah and i would agree with that i think they're they're, dating is just stressful i mean it just (laughs) is right because you're 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 deepening your relationship with someone you're growing in your affection for them spiritually and emotionally and physically and so you add that whole level of like uh temptation you know sexual temptation in the dating relationship and so when you finally get married and just are able to enjoy um not having to go home at night you know what i'm saying not have to say goodbye those kinds of things uh it it really it was really sweet yeah yeah well so what took you guys off guard I would say I can start by this um, and start by talking about this, but I think just the differences, you know, opposites really do attract 
Karen is definitely more of the extrovert in the relationship in that she's a people person. She's outgoing. Uh, I'm more reserved. And, and so I think in dating, I was really drawn to that aspect of her. And uh, we're very opposite just in so many different ways. Personality, the way we look at money, all of that. And so I think the differences created a lot of conflict, you know, right out of the gate. And so I, I don't think I was ready for that. In fact, I can attest to this. It's been said that the very things that you're attracted to in dating, you will ultimately resent in marriage. And that ended up being true in a lot of ways. I mean, I really, I hate to say that, but it was really true. So, yeah. I definitely agree with that. Totally. That's definite. But I think in that, one of the things that surprised me the most was how much maybe um, the brokenness of ourselves and the lack of self-awareness that we had in ourselves, uh, how it manifested un the unhealthy patterns of communication that it manifested, that came from mm -hmm. that, that made us unable to deal well with those differences in that healthy way. Wow. So, Sky, I wanted to circle back to the, the, that sentence. The things that we often find attractive in dating can be the things we actually resent in marriage. Why do, why do you think that is? Um, selfishness, right? I mean, our sin nature, we're selfish. We, we want things to be the way that we think they ought to be. And we think that the way that we do things, the way we think about things are best. And so I've always been like, Take money, for example. I've always been super conscientious about money. Like, I don't like spending money unless I have to. Um, Karen came from a fairly affluent family. And so I don't, I think she was just kind of like, if you need something, you go spend it. You know, uh, she would, <laughs> this is so funny, but, you know, when I go to the store, I'll price compare. Karen doesn't. Like, she's just like, oh, we need a bottle of shampoo. Let's just grab what we see, or I need toothpaste. And so rather than, you know, looking at the generic brand, I'm going to buy the name brand. And and little things like that, that she's so spon like spontaneous in, uh, I found just really irritated me and, and frustrated me. Uh, but to answer your question, I think it was rooted in my selfishness of thinking like, this is the right way to approach money, or this is the right way to go to the grocery store and, you know, shop and things like that. And so it was my pride, it was my selfishness that I think created some of those shattered expectations. Well, I, I want to ask this. So something we talk a lot about at King's Hill, you know, we're talking to, mainly to a lot of college students. Not, not everyone's a college student at King's Hill, but, but dating's on their mind. and We want to give them a biblical vision for marriage. And so we often turn to Ephesians 5, which it talks about marriage really is a, a picture the relationship that Jesus has with his church. That's really the, the model for marriage. There's a role that the husband has as, uh, as he's representing Jesus as the groom, and there's a role that the wife has as the wife is representing the role as the church. And so how have you guys now, in 33 years of marriage, how have you guys tried to practically live out together Ephesians 5? Who's going first? You. Wait. Okay. Well... We have grown a lot in realizing that the way we are wired, like he talked about our differences, but what, what we bring to the table 
it can be the stressful factor. It can um, cause us to clash, but it's also, he is exactly what I need. He is what I need. Because of realizing this, we have come to be more self-aware and we work through conflict a lot quicker. Mm. And I don't find it difficult. I don't find submission difficult or a bad term. I've actually, because of that, there's more trust with him. I know when he says something to me or has to address something, he does it because he really is not trying to change me, which I used to think. I feel like he is really does love the way God's wired me. So he's really telling me this because I need to hear it. And it's really not, it's easy for me. Um, submission is kind of natural now because of this deeper factor in many ways. And I've actually had people who think from a very different perspective on this ask me, do you think that uh, maybe this is you find this easy and you like this picture of marriage because you are yourself maybe oppressed and don't know it? And uh, and I respect the question, but I would say no. Uh, it is, I am not naturally, um, I don't fight that 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 term, the way some people have difficulty with it naturally, but uh, just because I'm not strong in that way and don't find that offensive, it doesn't mean that I can't think for myself and know when I'm being I'm properly pushed upon or, and I, I just find it very, this term is a very positive thing for me. It's very easy for me to submit to him because of the changes that God's done in us, I think, over the years. Mm. And I think so much of that, when you think of Ephesians 5, right? I mean, marriage is really to be the most beautiful picture of the gospel that there is. I mean, there's a lot of metaphors that Scripture uses to refer to Christ and His church. Like when we're a family, right? We're a building, the temple, all these kinds of things that Scripture uses to kind of paint this picture of the people of God in their relationship to God, right? Right. But there's nothing more beautiful than what Ephesians 5 paints, and that is the picture of a husband and wife, right? I mean, and that as we fall under the loving leadership of Jesus, we flourish. Mm -hmm. and, and I really believe that as husbands and wives operate in the roles and the responsibilities that he's given them, they flourish. So as I'm exercising loving leadership because the command that God's given to husbands in Ephesians 5 is husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, what did Christ do for the church? He laid his life down for the church. So if Karen is going to thrive in marriage, she does so when I'm consistently laying down my life. You know, I mean, husbands all the time, I'd lay my life down for my wife. Yeah, but do you do it when it comes to picking up your dirty clothes, right? Does does it, do you, do you lay it on your life when uh, you serve her by cleaning the kitchen at night after dinner, you know, or taking the kids off of her hands for a while so she can have a break, right? So there's just so many practical implications of what um, loving your wife as Christ loved the church really looks like. And when we consistently model the gospel in our marriage, um, we thrive. Marriage is really intended or, 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 or experienced the way God intended for it to be. But when we're operating in our sin nature and we're operating in our selfishness and we're demanding our rights, there's conflict, there's frustration, mm -hmm. just like there is in our relationship with Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when we when we submit to Jesus as as Lord and, and we walk in uh, trust and obedience to him, we flourish. When we fight that and we try to do things in our own strength and we try to do things our own way, 
you know, yeah. we, we're frustrated, we're miserable. So you guys have talked about how you guys have, have grown you know, through the years. Uh, something that I know you guys would attest to that in marriage, it's your spouse that sees sins like no one else. Yeah. But it's also, it's also, you have to say it so <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it's, it's also your spouse that has the greatest opportunity to dispense grace. Right. And so in the, in the context of y'all's marriage, how have you grown in, in mentioning sin so as to encourage your spouse towards holiness, not condemn them, but also how, how have you guys grown in grace together and bearing with one another's sins? So, yeah, I'll go in that. I, I think this is really revealed most in the way that we communicate, right? I mean, uh, like I, I said earlier, like marriage just kind of magnifies things. It really does. Um, it, it magnifies our sin in a lot of ways and our selfishness. And I would say that uh, we all battle with selfishness. And so I, I did as a single person, but when I got married, I think that became even more magnified. And so um, I believe that marriage is that opportunity to demonstrate the loving grace of God. Like God is so gracious to us personally that when we are walking in sin and we are walking in disobedience, he's faithful to um, to reveal that to us, right? He convicts us. He, he shows us where we're walking in error and he lovingly corrects us and brings us into right fellowship with him again. And, and I believe that if, if the gospel is, if marriage is to be a reflection of the gospel, then that's what we have to do in our relationship with one another. So I think one of the ways that we have grown is that when we see um, selfishness in the other, we don't ignore that, but we don't just go point it out, you know, with a Pharisee pointing the finger and, you know, rebuking one another, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That usually ends up in a, in a disastrous argument, right? I mean, I've tried that before. It definitely doesn't work effectively. But I think when we lovingly say, hey, here's, here's an area that I see that, um, that I really believe uh, you need to grow in. And, and, and also being willing to receive that too. So I'll ask Karen on a regular basis, like, is there anything you see in my life where um, I'm not walking uh, in holiness or I'm not walking in a way that uh, is full of integrity and, and being willing to be taught by my wife, humble enough to receive that truth. And so I, I think that over the years we have really grown in the area of, of giving helpful rebuke and receiving helpful rebuke. And I think that is absolutely essential. And I, and I think that couples that are afraid to do that because they're afraid that, oh, that's just going to create an argument. That's going to create conflict. Um, they, they really miss the opportunity to not only make progress in their walk with Jesus and in their marriage, but to uh, experience even a greater level of intimacy in their marriage. Hmm. I would agree with that. I think that we used to come to each other, even if we tried to be humble and come with the right attitude, we knew what to do, but we would really come more with, we'd learn to say it better and we'd learn to be more respectful, but only for a short time because if the heart's not right, it just ends in disaster. So we would come and say, I want to be honest with you about something. Well, what we really meant is I want to show you where you're wrong and I need you to be teachable. <laughs> and so I think mm -hmm. we're both different. I think we both work through conflict quickly because of that. We okay. show grace to each other. <laughs> well, if, if you could, like, let, let us in, give us a window here just for a moment of 
maybe it won't be hard. <laughs> maybe you know years ago in the, in, the, in the beginning seasons of your marriage what conflict looked like and and now how have you what does it look like now as god has changed you by grace and and shown you his patience and as you've extended it to one another what what's how is it different now than what it was then yeah i mean early in marriage i think we let little things escalate into big things you know and um like i said it could be something as simple of you know you bought that rather than this like and then all of a sudden a tube of toothpaste turns into a two-hour argument you know and frustration right a so possible separation i, I mean really it just it just things we let silly things create unnecessary conflict and unnecessary tension and i think as we've grown i mean there's still that battle with our sin nature there's still battle with that selfishness but i think what we've what we've learned over the years is that the intimacy of our relationship is far more important than uh, any disagreement and i and i do feel like we let little things go a lot faster than we used to definitely um and i'll tell you this and i, I this is so important like being willing to really give effort to communication um, to the point that when things, when you're not on the same page and there is that conflict, there is that disagreement, that we're going to stay in this fight until we are on the same page. Hmm. And mm-hmm. so we've really tried to practice that in the early years, but even more so in the later years. Like if there's a disagreement, if we're having a conflict over something or misunderstanding over something, we're going to stay in this and we're going to work through this until we are uh, of one heart and one mind again. And that means that if I have to give up sleep or if I have to give up something else that I want to do, like watching a TV show or something like that, because I want to be uh, in a one flesh relationship with my wife, mm-hmm. then I'm going to do that hard work. And, and I really think that's been one of the most beneficial things for us. Yeah. Here's how it looked for me when we would have conflict. I would say that one of the things that was uh, a deep sin, really, and weakness for me is because I'm the feeler, I I'm, I'm, tend to be the more the, the one who can be more emotional. And, God's, and, and being that God wired me that way, I found later, the Lord has shown me through the years, I could be almost married to my emotions. And this, when something, when we would have conflict, not just married to my emotions, but actually it's interesting that he'll focus on the toothpaste and these kind of things because he's more practical that way. But where this would show up in anything, as small as a toothpaste or bigger, maybe something deeper in the heart, would be if I felt misunderstood. It, In fact, being mm-hmm. understood could almost be an idol for me. Like if I felt like he was not understanding me or not hearing me, I think it produced some kind of insecurity or fear. It was like the fear of like, this has to be fixed immediately. Like I would, and if I didn't feel that he understood me, my emotions could so take over me that it could cause me to, to just explode. Like it really showed up for me uh, in a lot of anger and sometimes sadly rage. And it all stemmed from not being understood. And I think to some degree, like I said, being married to that, like that almost being an idol instead of being able to, I think when I let go of that and put that more in God's hands, I was able to step back more and let God resolve this. Learn to do this in a healthy way. Hmm. And 
I, uh, I, I love uh, what you've shared. The, the idea of when conflict happens, not to mentally check out, but to be, to, to be in it with your spouse. But also the most important thing here when we end this conversation is we've, we've really assumed the best in that other person because what's most important is not what the next step is, but are our hearts still united as we move forward? I uh, thank you guys for, for sharing that. How I was talking with a guy who's been married for a long time too, and he mentioned, he's like, yeah, I've been, I've been in three different marriages. Now he's been married to the same person, but just what he meant by that was like, as as he's changed and as his spouse has changed, it's it's entered a new a new marriage, so to speak. There's been a deepening there as they've let the Holy Spirit guide them both. And so, how have you seen yourselves both grow to be like Christ, and how have you seen your spouse grow to become like Christ? And and ultimately, how how have you let the Holy Spirit uh, be the change agent in your marriage, but also the one that's leading guiding your marriage? Yeah, no, that's such a great question, and I um, and I would agree with that friend of yours that said that. Like, the older we've gotten and the longer we've been married, I think that we have grown deeper in our connection and our intimacy and our understanding one, with one another. I think doing the hard work of leaning into communication when it was hard, when we wanted to check out, when it was frustrating, and you know, you just get exhausted trying to fix this over and over and over again but because we did the hard work hard work in those earlier years these these last 15 to 20 years have been really the sweetest season of marriage so far and i think that one of the ways that i've seen the gospel really bear fruit in karen is that you know she talked about being married to her emotions and all that she is a very emotion driven person i'm more practical you know, kind of even keel personality. Um, she is so balanced now in a way that she wasn't in those early years. And I think it's because she recognizes two things. One, I think she recognizes the importance of surrendering her emotions to the Lordship of Jesus. And I think she trusts me more because she knows that mm. I'm not going to check out when uh, she is being emotional or she is being frustrated or something like that. So I, I think that she's grown tremendously in the gospel in that way. Is the question, how have I seen him? Okay, that's an easy one. Um, because of his, because of how practical he is, he uh, empathy could be quite challenging <laughs> in those times. And we actually kind of, the, the, our unhealthy patterns of communication led us into this cycle where the more I felt like he wasn't empathizing or understanding, the more enraged or angry I would get because I'd feel like I have to fight for that. I have to fight. And I think it was out of a fear of maybe feeling like if, if we don't resolve this, it, eventually at some point we may check out. We may... I think it was a fear of maybe just it not working out. But I think um, we, this kind of led us to an unhealthy cycle. So it would push him more away. I would become more angry and it just went. But now I feel like um, as I have, as I let go of those things in the past that were kind of idols to me and laid them before God and focused more on me, myself changing and becoming the changes in me that needed to happen then surprisingly when that became more of the focus over time I would say he has become a very empathetic person like for someone not naturally um, 
wired that way. He seeks very hard, even though he can't always understand, he seeks very hard to, he is very committed to trying to be understanding in every situation, really. I would say you have become very empathetic. Yeah, I mean, the the word t- tells and, us that to live with one another yeah. in an understanding way, right? There's going to be things about Karen that I never understand. I mean, she's a woman. There's a lot about that, that I'm never going to understand. Her personality <laughs> style is so different than mine. I'm never going to fully understand that. But I'm called to live in an understanding way. That means i got to lean in and really know her and learn her and value her. I mean, one of the biggest things in marriage that God taught us, and this was probably about seven years in, is God just brought me to a breaking point. I mean, really to a breaking point and a turning point in our marriage where God showed me, Sky, you need what she brings to this marriage. Because in my pride, I thought that, you know, I'm the one that, like, she needed me. I was the more, you know, rational, focused, disciplined, whatever. And God really broke me of my pride and showed me, you need her. And when I began to live that out and I began to, to really express to her on a consistent basis how much value and beauty she brought to me, um, it was it was altering in our marriage. It really was. Mm-hmm. And, and I've often thought, like, I'm so glad God did not bring someone just like me <laughs> into my life to be married like it would be the most boring marriage in the world if I were married to someone just like me so I'm so grateful to God that he brought someone like Karen that's so different than me so opposite from me because I really do believe that that God has just brought something beautiful together and made something unique out of the two that could never be accomplished if we were just alike wow wow thank you guys for sharing that I I want to talk about maybe those that are listening who are single to the person who who is single and and maybe they they want they want this marriage you know they but 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 maybe even too much they think that marriage will solve all of their problems what might you say is the more overrated piece of marriage and then maybe to the married couple right who who really wants to press in and experience greater intimacy what would be the most underrated piece of marriage? So to the single, what's most overrated? To the married, what's the most underrated? You know, for me, because I've worked with single adults for a lot of years, college students, and now I lead a community group with young adults that are single. Um, I I think that overrated piece is that, you know, we're just going to do life together, companionship. It's just going to, you know, because there is a certain degree of loneliness that you experience when you are, a college student, single adult, right? You just do. I get that. Um, and so that expectation, we're just going to do life together. But but here's the reality. Like, you're a sinner, right? And if you get married, you're going to marry a sinner. And so you bring those two things together. Like, it's, it's going to be complicated. I mean, God's plan in marriage is sanctification. Like, he wants to sanctify you, which sanctification is not an easy thing. Like, it's a hard, complicated, messy you know, uh, experience just like it is in our walk with Jesus. I mean, God puts us in hard places to grow us. You grow more spiritually in your relationship with God when you go through seasons of trial and suffering than you do when things are going really, really well, right? I mean, so if you want to grow um, spiritually, God often puts you in a marriage relationship because it's going to be that sandpaper. So I I think that that overrated expectation of like, oh, we're just going to do life together. I Here's the deal. 
if you don't want, if you're not willing to do the hard work of dying to self, don't get married. I, I remember this woman in our church. She was in her 70s speaking to our college women one time. And I'll never forget what one of the girls told me that she said. She said, ladies, when I walked down the altar on my wedding day, I was doing a death march. Now, that doesn't sound all glamorous and romantic <laughs> and right. I mean, but she was absolutely right. Because what she was saying to those young women is if you're not willing to enter a life in, uh, into self-denial and self-death, don't get married because that's what it's going to demand of you. And so do away with this notion that it's happily ever after. We're just going to, you know, hold hands and stare in each other's eyes every night and have great <laughs> sex every night. I mean, it ain't like that. That's not the real world. And, and, and the reason for that is because you're a sinner, they're a sinner, and God's bringing you together to sanctify you. So that's where the overratedness comes in. Yeah, I think the overratedness, I might word it a little different, but I feel exactly the same way. I mean, uh, make sure that... It, I think it's overrated thinking that companionship is going to be so easily found and just finding somebody that you click with, you know, like that's going to, that is going to make you feel not alone. The aloneness that that does come from being single at, at times, that that will be fixed and solved by having a companion. You want to know that it is right and that God has brought it together. Um, I think it's important to remember if it's not right, it's better to be in no marriage than the wrong it's better for it to be to be alone and rather than being something that's wrong mm, and right. so true you you'll be more lonely yeah no that's that's a good word um I, and and as far as the underrated part for people that have been married like i would say that the longer you do the hard work of learning to die to self and communication like it does get sweeter. Like there, there is a compliment to one another that we experience. There's a, a oneness of heart and mind and flesh like that. We've grown into that. We're experiencing now the fruit of that 40 mm -hmm. years into marriage that had we checked out early on and said, this is just too hard. You know what I mean? I, you know, and that's why a lot of people get divorced They're, They just realize it's just hard and they get tired of the hard. And they, they then think being single was easier. And in a lot of ways it was. But if you'll keep working, if you'll keep leaning in, if you'll keep doing the hard work of dying to self and giving the effort to intimacy, man, life is so sweet. You know, the intimacy is so rich. And yeah. this girl truly is my best friend. And we're closer today than we were in those early years of marriage, far closer today. And I think it's just the, the fruit of, of leaning in during the hard times and doing the hard work when it would have been easier to check out. I love that. Last question, Sky. How would you encourage younger husbands to make Christ the central piece of their marriage? You know, and, and I would say the same question for you, Karen. How would you encourage younger wives to make Christ the centerpiece of their marriage? I, I'm, I'm speaking on, a, on a, a gut feeling here. But oftentimes, one of the greatest means for intimacy is being in God's presence together. And yet, it can, that's 
until we get married, it's always been like our relationship with God. Like it's God who knows all of our, all the things that are happening in our heart. And it's an incredibly vulnerable thing to like offer up your heart in the presence of your spouse. And, it, and yet I think that can bring so much intimacy in things like family devotions or things like kneeling down by your bedside and praying before the evenings. It's, it's awkward, it's hard, and yet it can be so rich. So, so Scott, could you speak, you know, from an older husband to a younger husband, what would you say? And Karen, older wife to a younger wife, what would you say? Yeah, I, I would say to the, the younger husband, don't be intimidated by your wife's spiritual maturity. I think a lot of younger men look at their wives and they perceive that their wives are more spiritually mature than they are and they feel a little insecure about praying, maybe in front of their wives or leading them. Maybe they feel inadequate because maybe their wives know more about the Bible than they do. I mean, and maybe they do and that's okay. But your wife's not looking for you to have all the answers. She's not looking for you to be a Bible scholar. She's not looking for you to be a pastor, unless it's Chelsea, then she is. Anyway, uh, she's not looking for those kinds of things. She's just looking for you to lead spiritually. And that can just be as simple as saying, honey, can we just pray together and just grabbing her hand and praying for her? You know, even if it's a 30 second prayer, right? Uh, or one of the things that I think really encourages Karen is just when I tell her what God's teaching me, you know, and I'm being vulnerable to say, hey, I, I read this today and God's really showing me, you know, my need to grow in this particular area of my relationship with God. And so it, it you don't have to be some spiritual giant to be a spiritual leader. Hmm. You just have to take some initiative and just talk about the things that God's doing in your life and set an example for your wife of what it looks like to trust and follow Jesus on a, on a regular basis. Okay, is the question in regards to when you pray together? or when? You know, really, uh, how to make Christ more central in your marriage. So older wife to a younger wife, how would, how would you encourage that? I definitely think in your time with the Lord, like, um, definitely focus on letting God make you who you need to become. Uh, I think for me for a long time, especially in the very challenging times of marriage that were so hard, I would focus on maybe without knowing it, what I wanted from him and trying to, in my own effort, I spiritualized it, but I think I didn't realize I was trying to make him into what I felt like he needed to become, but focus on uh, really seeking to be as healthy spiritually and emotionally as God wants you to be. Make the, make your focus for you to be as healthy and spiritually emotion as healthy spiritually and emotionally as you can uh, with the Lord and for, and for him also. And also too uh, in that make a point to practice like whatever is pure, whatever is praise, whatever is worthy of praise, whatever is good, uh, think on these things. Think on these things about him and tell him these things. Mm. And when you are praying together, in regards to that, a little bit what Sky shared about praying together, um, for me as a wife, when you are praying to get together, 
think on those things, say them to him. Because in 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 fighting, learning to communicate well, you're going to have to say another uh, enough of the uh, the negative <laughs> things. So say the good things and the pure and praiseworthy things to him, and let him hear you say them when you talk to God about him. Also, let him let him hear you pray for him, and edify him in your prayers too. And she really does do that. I mean, it's, and, and that's really encouraging, not just for her to say it directly to me, but to say it to God with me. Like that's mm. really powerful. I can attest to that. Mm. Well, Sky, Karen, what a great discussion. We really appreciate you helping on the podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank this you. has been fun. Well, thanks for joining us at the King's Table. Glad you could be a part of this conversation and honest conversation about marriage. If you'd like more information or resources from Kings Hill Church, you can visit us online at www.kingshillboston.com.